Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Well, all right, we need to take care of a few things right off the bat. First of all, that picture with me kind of doing, you know, one of these right here, that photo was taken of me when I was in high school. And I remember thinking at the time, this might be as cool as I will ever look the rest of my life. And, you know, I think I, think I, I, think I was right. That's, that's what I think. And uh, also, I need to explain, it was told to me that song choice, we all get to pick our own walkout song, which is kind of awesome. If, if you ask me, I picked that song intentionally. I know it's not a song you normally hear on a Sunday, but it has actually a really deep, significant meaning to me. I don't have time to unpack it all today, but in 2011, uh, I got some really good life-changing news, actually news medically for me and for my children. We thought something bad was happening, but it didn't happen. And on the way home from UNC Hospital, that song came on the radio and we like cranked it up. And ever since then, it has been like the anthem of God's faithfulness to our life. I know it's a strange choice, but hey, it's kind of an awesome song. Well, Hey, as Dwayne mentioned, uh, my name is Dave, and I'm so glad that I get to be with you guys here today and uh, continue on in this sermon series. For generations, as the church would gather like this, they would actually stand up to hear God's word read to them out of respect to them. And so I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, Whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting here with us, would you stand up right now as I read God's word to you? And uh, if you were raised Catholic like I was, you're like, oh, yeah, here we go. This is my jam. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Let's do it, Dave. Um, I, here's what I want you to do. As I'm reading this, what I want you to do is kind of in your mind picture uh, some kind of pain point, some struggle in your life, uh, whatever it is that's keeping you up at night. Maybe it's marriage, parenting, a job thing, a health thing. Whatever it is, when you wake up, that's what gives you a little bit of anxiety in the morning. Picture that. And then as I'm reading, I want you to listen for how you can have optimism as you face that struggle. I want you to listen for for God's heart to come through uh, in his love letter for you. It says this. I'm reading out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, It says, we do not lose heart. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are also being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, 
momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you for your word. God, it is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, it, it pierces and penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. God, it is with humility that I stand up here today and try to rightly handle your word. And so as, as we share your word, God, I pray that you would um, cause us to think differently about our suffering. God, help us to have optimism regardless of what we're facing in life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated now for real this time, I promise. So last year, my wife and I were on a double date with a couple that we truly look up to as mentors in life. We, we just uh, love this couple. And we knew that the woman sitting across from us at dinner had cancer. And actually, the very next day, she was scheduled for surgery. And so I remember late in that dinner uh, asking her, all right, so how do you feel about tomorrow? How, you know, what, what are you thinking about? How are you feeling about it? And I'm telling you, what she responded to me was totally unexpected. What I expected her to say was something like, oh, God's got this and kind of change the subject. We say things like that all the time, but that's not what she said. What she said, I'm telling you, I've been thinking about every single day for the last year. It was that impactful, that unexpected. What she said was this, Dave, cancer may be the best gift God has ever given me. And I remember thinking, wait, gift? What? How in the world is cancer a gift from God? Can you help me understand that? And I'm telling you she did, and I was blown away with what she shared next. Blown away with the optimism that she had in face of uncertainty and dark days ahead. You could tell this was not just wishful thinking that she had. She had a quiet confidence in something so much greater than, than herself. For her, there was no giving up. There was no losing heart. And to her, cancer was a gift. And I gotta tell you, I'm so glad that I asked her that question on that night. And I'm so thankful I got to hear all that she had to say as she unpacked her response to me. Because at the time in my life, things were kinda okay for me. And maybe that's you as you sit here tonight. Maybe things are kinda okay for you. But we had no idea that just six months after that dinner, people would be asking my wife and I the very same question. But I'm going to come back to that story later. If you brought your Bible, we're going to be hanging out in that passage that I just read to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to invite you to turn there now. And uh, as we're reading, I want to give you a little bit of context. context uh, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this, he's writing this to people just like us that were struggling. Their marriages were a mess, their families were a mess, and he's writing this message to encourage them. And twice in this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, like bookends, once at the beginning and once at, end, uh, at the end, Paul repeats this phrase, we do not lose hope. In other words, we do not give up. Now listen, we hear messages all the time about how everything's going to work out. Just wait, you'll see, it'll all be okay in the end. I just want to tell you right up front, this is not going to be that message. Well, maybe not exactly. I, I want to live in a real life tension today. What about when it doesn't all work out the way that you want? What about when there isn't a neatly tied, pretty little bow at the end of your day? 
What about when God doesn't take away the pain that you're feeling? It's true, God always remembers his promises to us, but he never promised that that thing you're struggling with, that it's all gonna end up just the way that you want if you ask him. And I'm sorry if you've ever heard this happily ever after kind of theology repeated to you often. I know I've heard it, but I can tell you, I meet with a lot of people that this, this just isn't the case. God didn't ever take away the pain that they were feeling, at least not in this lifetime. He didn't ever give them the happily ever after ending that they had asked him for. And as a result, they're discouraged, they're frustrated, they're confused, and they're angry with God. And maybe in a moment of struggle, you've actually heard from a friend, someone uh, shared with you the, the verses of Romans 8.28. It's been quoted to you as you're struggling. It says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And I want you to know, I believe this is 100% true. But it's really important that we understand the good that Paul is talking about in this passage. See, he's not just talking about our comfort. He's not just talking about the, the happy ending that we hope we'll have. What he's talking about, he explains in the very next verse in Romans 8, 29. The good that he's promising is that we would be conformed to the image of his son. That's the good he promises, growing like Jesus. And growing like him, that process, well, my, I, I, I've just observed it doesn't happen in luxury and in comfort. In fact, in my observation, it happens in those moments of life that, that don't go the way that we want, that don't end up with a happily ever after that we asked for. But if we don't understand that, we're going to lose heart. We're going to get angry. We're going to get discouraged and maybe even walk away when things get difficult, like some do. And so listen, even though we love God, you just need to know sometimes bad things happen. We just don't talk about that very often. That's what we're talking about today. Sometimes marriages blow up. Sometimes we lose loved ones. Sometimes we get news of things like cancer. See, none of these are neatly tied, pretty little bow, happy ever after endings at the end of your day. So what do you do? What do you say when cheer up, it's all gonna be okay, isn't gonna quite cut it because it's already not okay. That's what we're talking about in this passage today. And my aim is to help you to begin to think differently about suffering. Not only how to not lose heart when you're going through something difficult, but also to have what I call gospel optimism, like my friend with cancer had. And so if you're tracking with me in your Bible, we're gonna jump down to the second paragraph of 2 Corinthians chapter four. We'll pick it up in verse seven. It says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. And this is a profound metaphor. I want to put up a picture for you guys to see what these jars of clay look like. Um, so here they are. This is a really common scene. Uh, people who Paul were talking to, they would have seen and been familiar with these kind of jar, uh, clay jars all over the place. They're, they're all over the place because they're really cheap. So they're common. They're found in every single home. But you'll notice many of them are cracked. And they're just kind of tossed aside here. They're cracked because they were really fragile. And when they crack, you pretty much just toss them out and go get a new one. Here's the point. Clay jars are simply not designed to last. And if you haven't guessed it by now, you're actually the clay jars in this metaphor. So what I want you to do, turn to the person sitting nearest to you and say, you're a clay jar. Go ahead now. That's right, you're a clay jar. Yeah, sorry, tough guy, you're fragile. You need to know that. Uh, remarkably, though, 
as cheap and as fragile and as common as these clay jars are, they're capable of something amazing. They're capable of holding an everlasting treasure. And so the next question is, well, what is that everlasting treasure? That's a good question. He tells us in verse four. He tells us the treasure is the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So Paul's making it clear, the treasure is not ourselves. The treasure is knowing the gospel, knowing God's story. And I need to pause here and I need to unpack this word gospel for you because in my observation, it just is a word we toss around a lot and few of us actually know what it means and we disagree. And I ask a lot of people to share the gospel with me and I hear all sorts of different things. And so I just wanna help you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about uh, the gospel. I wanna give you like a one sentence definition that I came up with as I look at all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. First of all, the word gospel itself means good news. So here's my definition. You can put it up on the, on the screens. The gospel is the life-changing good news for all people that the crucified and risen King Jesus is victorious and he's coming again to make all things new. This is the treasure that Paul is talking about. Do you know this treasure? Do you have it in your clay jar? Because Paul is saying in this passage that knowing this treasure, remembering it has everything to do with how we can have optimism and confidence, even joy when it seems like death itself is all around us. But he says in this passage, there's a problem. In the previous paragraph, he tells us that some people are veiled to this truth. It's like they're blinded. They can't see the truth. The gospel just doesn't make sense to them. And maybe that's you as you sit here today. Maybe you're thinking, you know what? This just, it really just hasn't clicked for me. I don't understand what the big deal uh, about the gospel, why everyone talks about this. And if that's you, we're so glad you're here. I hope you'll lean in today because this is a great message for you to listen to. But many of us here today, We've already responded to the gospel. We're no longer veiled anymore. We're no longer blinded to the truth, but we still struggle. And for us, we have a different problem. For us, our problem, I call gospel amnesia. And I know all about gospel amnesia because I'm afflicted with forgetfulness. It, it, in other words, we know the treasure of the gospel. We just forget it all the time. I'm telling you, this is an astonishing ability that I have, forgetfulness in general. You could just ask my wife. Let me give you an example. Um, as we're driving down the road, she can say something simple like, hey, Dave, uh, on the way home, could you stop by the grocery store and pick up a loaf of bread for the kids' lunches this week? And I will say, sure, babe, no problem. That's what I'll say. And you know what? I mean it. Like literally with all of my heart, I have every single intention of stopping at that grocery store and getting that loaf of bread. If she's in the car with me, I'll even let her stay in the car. I'll jog in and get it myself. In fact, it would be a privilege and an honor to serve her in such a simple and tangible way. But you know what happens, don't you? I forget and I drive right by. Even a minute later in my wife, it drives her crazy. She's like, Dave, did you forget already? And now uh, this happens so much. It's not just like a once in a while thing. This, this literally happens all the time. I have a forgetfulness problem. Now it happens so much that as we're driving along, she'll say something like, hey, Dave, here, here's your turn. Don't forget. There's the grocery store that, hey, Dave, you're not going to miss it, are you? You're not going to forget again. And I, of course, you know, I, I will pretend to be super offended. Like, <laughs> please, please, Cindy, um, give me a little bit of credit here. But on the inside, I'm like, what is my problem? <laughs> I forgot again. She needs to remind me over and over and over. Am I the only one? Is there anyone here that is married to someone with grocery store amnesia? Would you raise your hand? 
Anyone? There's a few brave people. I'm not the only one. Thank you very much. Seriously, Dave, did you forget already? See, this is exactly the type of forgetfulness. This is exactly the type of problem we have as Christians, except we have gospel amnesia. We forget the gospel and here's what happens. When we forget God's story, we start to confuse the treasure. And I'm telling you, this is dangerous because instead of the treasure, we start to put all of our hope in the clay jars themselves. We start to put all of our hope in things that were never meant to last, things that are fragile, things that are cheap and they're always cracking. This includes even good things like our jobs, food, sex, entertainment, even our bodies themselves. But the problem is sooner or later, clay jars always crack. They always crack. And when they do, we totally freak out. We lose our gospel minds, shocked that our clay jar isn't holding up the way that we thought it would. We're dismayed that it all didn't end up with a happily ever after that our friends promised that it would if we love God. And I gotta tell you, I'm embarrassed how often I have these kind of freak out moments of gospel amnesia. For me, this is a daily struggle. Every single day I'm pushed past my limits of my wisdom and my strength, past the limits of my clay jar. In fact, today is one of those days, I just wanna tell you. And in my forgetfulness, I'm like a toddler. I, I walk around pouting. And I pig out. Does anybody else here eat their feelings? Anyone? Yeah, that's what I do. I walk around pouting, eating my feelings. And then the next thing I do is I step into this, Dave's got this mode, pretending like God is no longer in control. And I go about, I hold the reins of my own little clay jar and I go searching for different treasures, substitute treasures that weren't designed to fill me up. And it always leads me to the same place. I lose heart and I freak out again. At least until I remember. And that's the point Paul is making. Our ability to not lose heart is connected to our ability to remember the treasure of the gospel, to remember what God has done and what he's promised. It's in those moments where we lose heart and we freak out where God has to continually remind me, Dave, did you forget already? Did you forget already? Don't lose heart. Don't freak out. Remember what I've done and remember what I've promised. And I'm telling you, this is where God's word is so helpful for us. When I finally pause and slow down to go back to what God's word teaches or maybe somebody reminds me, that's when I, uh, his word helps me to graciously remember. Helps me remember things like every single thing that I see here, including myself, God created. That gives me a little bit of confidence. How could I forget because God's word reminds me that even though I forgot all about him and I started chasing after all the wrong treasures, his word reminds me, Jesus sent his beloved perfect son anyway. And Jesus obeyed and he had victory in every single way that I failed. And he died for all of us, taking our place. I'm telling you, when, when I pause and I remember this, his word helps me to remember that everything that I'm dealing with, everything that we're suffering through, it's momentary, it's temporary. But if our faith is in what Jesus has accomplished, we're forgiven. Like forgiven forever, you guys. That's really, really good news. And that's not the end. When I look at God's word, if you open your, your Bible and you turn anywhere to the New Testament, you can basically pick a page and you're going to see that the crucified Jesus didn't stay dead, that he's alive again. And that's the reason that we can have hope as we're struggling. And he's not just 
resurrected. He's not just risen. He's ascended into heaven and he's seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. What that means is that our God, Jesus, is in control right now. He's sustaining it all, the entire universe. He's sustaining every breath that I take. He's allowing me every single day to wake up. All of that he's holding in the palm of his hands. He's not freaked out one bit. He's sitting down. He's in control. His word reminds me because I forget so quickly so I don't lose heart that we're not alone in this. Sometimes I, I forget that. He gave us brothers, he gave us sisters, and he sent his Holy Spirit so that even in the darkest of days, he could be with us, comforting us. And in those dark moments and those difficult moments, he's molding and he's shaping us, he's making us stronger, and he's preparing us for a day that's coming when Jesus is going to come back and make all things new, a day where there is no more pain, a day where there is no more sorrow, no more cracked clay jars, no more cancer. A day when we will be his people and he will be our God forever. You guys, this is where gospel optimism comes from. It comes from remembering what he's done and what he's promised. And when we remember, we regain perspective about our struggles. Look at verse 10. He says, we are carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. He's talking about what Paul is up to. Excuse me, what Paul is talking about what God is up to right now in the moments of struggle. Every single moment of struggle, God is systematically putting to death the things in our lives that are not of him. And don't misunderstand me. God's not some cosmic, sadistic killjoy. Uh, as all those things, those parts of us die, we're actually coming to life the way that he intended so that we can experience the abundant life that he promised to those that depend on him. Look at what he says in verse 12. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So this is how he's making us like Jesus in our, in our weakness. He's making us strong. This is how he's preparing us for eternity with him. And it's always a painful process, but it's temporary. And it's so that we can have life, the abundant life that he promises by turning to him depending on him and relying on him. Because when we run to him in dependency, even after we forget over and over and over and over, the gift that God gives us so graciously is himself. This is why we need to spend time regularly in God's word because we so quickly forget. And when life gets difficult, we lose heart and we give up. See, my friend uh, who had cancer, she knew this truth. She knew that in God's terms, her cancer was momentary. It was temporary. She had an eternal perspective of life. That's why she was able to say it was a gift from God. Now, I got to tell you, my wife and I didn't fully understand her answer as she unpacked it with us that day. But we're starting to now. A few months later, it was our turn. In March, we found out that my wife has an aggressive form of breast cancer. It's stage two. So she's curable. Praise God for that. But it's really hard. It's, it's pretty difficult for us. I got to tell you, it's not, it's not devastating. Like Paul wrote, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's a pretty accurate summary if you were to ask us, hey, how are you guys doing today? That, that sums it up. But if Cindy and I rested our hope in something like the clay jars itself, or if we try to go through this process without the treasure of the gospel itself, I'm telling you at best, we'd be confused, we'd be angry, we'd be dismayed, and we'd be walking around pouting. 
as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I asked my wife um, what she thought I should share with you guys. And what she shared with me led me to this passage and uh, built the framework for this message to you. She shared in her words that I should tell you guys what it's like in the waiting, what, what God is up to in the waiting, especially in those dark days, in those moments that didn't turn out the way that we wanted. She told me to talk about what God is up to when you have a year of chemo in front of you. She told me to talk about what it's like when she has surgeries ahead of her, when she can't go to the parties that she wants. She told me to talk about what, what it's like when we have to cancel family vacations that we've booked and when she can't join us on a family mission trip that we just got to go on. She told me to talk about what it's like when she can't even look at certain foods because they make her nauseous or when she's too exhausted to go for a walk. She told me to talk about what it's like when she looks at the mirror and she no longer sees her beautiful hair in her reflection. None of these momentary troubles come with a pretty bow at the end of the day. Cancer's bad. It's hard. It stinks, period. And sometimes we have to fight to remember. Sometimes we have to fight to remind each other. But I'm telling you because we know where we stand in God's story, because we know what God has done and what he's promised. We have optimism. You're not going to hear us walking around and pouting. Because this light, temporary trouble of cancer, it has a way of reminding us so much quicker now after we forget the treasure of the gospel. And in the process, we're, we're actually enjoying so many gifts that we've been missing all over the place, like subtle and sometimes not so subtle, amazing gifts right in front of our faces every day, all over the place, physically and spiritually. Listen, when a doctor looks at you in the eye and tells you the chance that your wife may not survive, that's one of those moments where everything changes, you guys. And some of you here, you know that. I know. You've been there. Here's why it's a gift. It's a gift to be reminded that this life is like a breath, it's a vapor. And every single day is a gift from our Father to be enjoyed. It's a gift to be reminded as we sit in that cancer center two times a week now that this is not our final home, you guys. As she gets chemo, as she goes through all these procedures, it's a gift to be reminded that these fragile, dying bodies of ours were not designed to last. They're just clay jars. It's a gift to be reminded that we've just been running way too fast in life. We've been reminded it's such a gift that only a few things truly matter. We spend so much time worrying about all the wrong things, you guys. Only a few things matter. It's a gift to be reminded we are not in control and that's good news because God is. It's a gift to be reminded that our hope is not in our money because I'm telling you as the medical bills pile up, money just has a way of, of disappearing really fast. So that's not where our hope is. It's a gift to be reminded that. And this is a big one. It's a gift to be reminded that we are not alone. It's so important that we do life and community. It's so important, you guys. I can't imagine doing this journey on our own. So many people have been praying for my wife. One day she told me at work, she literally had to silence her phone because she was getting so many prayer requests and so many little uh, uh, prayer notices and texts of encouragement. It, she couldn't get her work done. How awesome is that? 
I, I, I smile now thinking about what God must have been thinking <laughs> as prayer request after prayer request after prayer request was lifted up with her name attached to it. Dozens of people have brought us meals, desserts, sent grocery gift cards to help with medical bills and written, handwritten notes, letters of encouragement. On behalf of my family, I, I just want to pause and say thank you. You are a gift to us that we've been missing way too long, but we see you now. Your love is a special gift to us. And this is a big one. Um, it's going to be hard for me to, to share with you, but this is a big gift I've been given, that we've been given. It's a gift to be reminded how much I love my wife. A walk to the lake has never been sweeter. <laughs> Even though she's got to go a little bit slower now, we've got to take breaks because she gets tired. When she holds my hand, I get butterflies. It's not an inconvenience for me to serve her through this. It's a joy, it's a privilege. I wish I could do it better. I wish I could do more. I wish I could take the chemo for her. But I'm telling you, my wife has never been more beautiful than she is to me today. Her faith shines when she's under pressure. She shines when she's under the testing of life. In fact, from the very beginning of this journey, she's been laughing laughing. You want a litmus test if you have gospel optimism? How much do you laugh when death itself is staring you in the face? When I had to shave her head because her hair started falling out, I'm like fighting back the tears and she's cracking jokes and laughing. She's, she said she looked like G.I. Jane and, and I'm just like rolling <laughs> laughing. There's like kids that you know, stare at her and wonder why she has to wear a scarf on her head in public. And, and one time, she didn't do this, but she threatened to, and it's really funny. She said, Dave, I'm going to take off that scarf I'm wearing, and I'm going to go up to that kid, and with my bald head, go rah, and scare her. <laughs> she, she didn't do that. But the fact that she thought that is hilarious, you guys. I love her sense of humor. I love that she can laugh at what we're facing. See, Cindy would never say she's a giant of faith. But under the squeezing of life, under the pressures, under this trial, this testing, we all see it. My kids see it. Her faith is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Her gospel optimism is real. And most of all, this unexpected gift of cancer is causing us to be more confident in God than ever before. And this isn't one of those gifts you could see, but this is an eternal one. See, God is causing us to depend on him now more than ever. And in the process, he's making us like Jesus. He's actually making us holy. Every single day, we begin by holding hands, running to the Father, declaring, God, we, we don't have anything today. Like, we're, we're spiritually bankrupt. We are spiritually poor. We have no answer. We have nowhere to turn other than you. And we're going to put our faith in the one who can raise people from the dead. That's where we're running, God, and we need you. That's how we begin every single day. You guys, what a gift it is to be reminded the power of prayer. In case you didn't know it, God answers prayer. It's real. It's real. 
prayer is a real thing. He's not some kind of cosmic wishing well. He wants to know us when we pray with him and he's answering. And, and even the act of praying more with him is causing us to grow. But I gotta tell you, every time we pray, the answer is not a yes. We prayed that the lump she found was just a cyst. Turns out it wasn't. It's a tumor. It's not what we asked him for. We prayed that she wouldn't need chemo. You know what? She's had a lot of chemo, like 10 rounds, and she needs a lot more. That's not what we asked him for. We prayed she wouldn't need surgery. She does. It's not what we asked him for. But I'm telling you, we're going to keep on praying more boldly than ever before, every single day that he heals her completely. In fact, would you pray that too? Like, I would love for you guys to just say, just in your hearts right now, God, I pray that you heal that guy's wife. I'd love that from you. Many of you sitting here, you've already joined us in that prayer. Thank you. It's the best gift you can give us. Recently, um, I was tired of praying. I don't know if it's okay to say that. Um, in fact, I told God, I'm too tired of praying about cancer that I'm just going to take the day off. I realized last week um, that me saying to God that I'm too tired to pray is actually me praying. <laughs> um, but anyway, the point was I told him, I'm done. I need a break. I'm worn out, God. I can't take it anymore. And I want you to know how sweet our Father is. I can't tell you how many texts of encouragement that I got that day. Multiple people like walked into my office. The door was closed. They didn't have an appointment. They just barged in and said, hey, I don't know why. The Spirit just led me to come in and ask if you need prayer today. Small group leaders reached out. Hey, our small group prayed for you. Friends that I haven't talked to in years reached out and said, God put you guys on my heart. How are you doing? Prayer request after prayer request after prayer request. You guys, God's goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life, even when I'm too tired to pray. How sweet is our Father? I'm telling you, that gives me confidence. That gives me optimism. None of this is what we'd asked him for. None of it. But I'm telling you, it's exactly what we always hope for. Our faith has never been stronger. Our marriage has never been better. Our family has never been more united in love. I'm telling you, we are increasingly experiencing the abundant life that comes when we're depending on him. We are richly blessed. And I know, I know God may choose one day to allow cancer to take my wife home. But we will not lose heart. And I hope that our optimism is contagious because we're not going to mope around. We're not going to walk around with all the doom and gloom. So stop. We're not going to pout. You shouldn't either. I'm telling you because we know that our hope is in the resurrected and victorious King of Kings. Cancer will not have the final word with my wife. In fact, if your faith is in Jesus and what he's done and what he's promised, whatever you're struggling with today won't have the final word with you either. Death itself won't have the final word because he overcame that too. Today, tomorrow, I have no idea what they're gonna bring. So I'm telling you, we're gonna enjoy every day to the fullest. Every day is gonna be like party rock is in the house tonight for us. (laughs) Because every day is a gift. Do you share our optimism in light of whatever you're facing today? If not, where does your hope lie? 
If you're putting your hope in, in something fragile and, and breakable like a clay jar, I'm telling you that's the road to dismay, that's the road to discouragement. Or maybe like I do, you just forgot. Maybe you just need a reminder. Maybe you got a little bit of gospel amnesia. You forgot what God has done and what he's promised. I told you my goal today was pretty simple. My, my aim is to help you to begin to think differently as you face struggles. So as you face struggles, what I want you to do is to pause and to ask, how might this be a gift? In other words, how might this be good news when I'm facing today? Because it sure doesn't feel like it. And maybe it's been a while, but you might need to go back to look at God's word. Dust off your Bibles. I'm telling you when I'm weary, God's word refreshes my soul. I want to challenge you, go back. If you're struggling with something, go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's what I just read to you today. If that's not enough, like read all of 2 Corinthians. You guys, it's so good, but promise that you'll read slow enough to make some observations. Promise that you'll read slow enough to jot down some notes, that you'll read slow enough to engage God himself as you pray back. He longs to hear from you. And the more time you spend with him, the more quickly you're going to remember in those dark days. And the more hopeful and humble and confident and joyful. In other words, the more gospel optimistic you're going to be in light of whatever you face. I want to conclude with a, a poem that's encouraged me. Actually, the couple that we had dinner with that, that uh, night a year ago, they sent this to me. I think it beautifully sums up the thoughts of my, my, of my heart. This poem was found on a dead soldier at Gettysburg. It says this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, it's in our weakness that you are made strong. It's amazing to me that you would count us worthy enough in these broken, fragile clay jars to give us an eternal treasure like your gospel. God, I pray today that as we go through the difficult moments when it's not okay, God, that we would be reminded that you're molding us and shaping us, God. May we be reminded that it's momentary what we're facing, God. We, may we be reminded that you're preparing us for a better day that's coming so that we don't lose heart. And may our gospel optimism be contagious. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.